You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, we're all familiar with the concept of a product launch, of course, but what about a content launch? What does that mean? And that's what my guest today is with us to talk about. He is Matt Averro-Sturm. Matt is Director of Marketing Operations at Sprig, a platform that helps product teams use user insights to create a better product experience. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here. So a content launch, what is that? Yeah, well, I think everybody here, especially folks working in marketing, is familiar with product launches, and they're super important to get your product out into the world. You know, the product can be wonderful, but without a real launch, how many people are really going to see it, understand it, and value it? And as content producers, you know, we know content is incredibly valuable, too, and it's really important to get the content out there. So at Sprig, we have actually had some content launches that have really looked a bit like product launches. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about our content, you know, and creating it and putting all the final details on it, we're also thinking about how are we going to launch this content? And it's, it's not as simple as just, you know, we'll send an email that day. There's really a, a whole, you know, a whole thought process around that. Okay. Is a content launch different than having like a distribution plan for the content? Is it different than distributing the content? I guess the uh, the goal is the same in terms of get it to the right audience, you know, make sure they understand it, make sure they're really excited about it. But I think thinking about it as a launch can really, you know, unlock some additional channels, some additional opportunities for sharing and, you know, just really think about what, how can the content be made in a way that really makes it launchable? So not just, you know, a distribution plan every time we have something, but making Mm -hmm. sure some of that is in the content itself. Okay, so... Do everything you can to make the content launchable. Let's dig into what that means exactly. And probably the best way is if you can give us an example or two of how you guys do that. Yeah. Would it be okay if I sort of wind back to how we got there and then get to the launch? Because I I think that's a helpful way to frame it. Yeah, totally. Give us some background. Sure. So at Sprig, and I should add some context, we're a early stage growth stage B2B company selling a SaaS product to product managers on product teams with user researchers, product designers, and product marketers. So it's it's definitely a group that's, you know, active on LinkedIn, consumes content, and, you know, is is really engaged in that world. But it's also a group that's really busy. So this past fall, we were looking at our marketing numbers every day and every week. And Sprig is a really performance-focused company. The main indicators we're looking at are traffic, qualified conversions, and pipeline. And as we were looking at these numbers every day and every week, and we were starting to see the, the tech market take some concerning steps this you know summer fall winter we we really tightened up on our efficiency focus 
And that meant reining in some of our ad spend and being really critical about, you know, how are we going to get the traffic we need without spending as much money on it? And at the same time, we were producing this really incredibly valuable content at a a pretty fast clip. But again, how are we going to get that content distributed without this ad spend? How are we going to get our audience engaging with it? And how do we really have the content effort we're investing in and the traffic and conversions and pipeline we need? How do we build a more reliable connection between those? And at the end of every week, when we were looking at our numbers, it was very clear that we were making progress toward our goals, but we were going to need more top of funnel traffic if we were going to pull back on on ads. And the content, you know, was helping our SEO in the long term, but each individual piece when we were launching it, we just weren't seeing the traffic spike relative to the amount of work our team put in and, and frankly, relative to how good the content was. So we were really getting up to this point where we're like, okay, the content has to start performing more and just doing a, a more immediate impact on our numbers as part of our strategy. And that had us move to more of a distribution first approach to our content. So, you know, every piece that's going out, you know, not just sending it out on our email list, not just posting it on LinkedIn and posting it on our blog and waiting for the SEO to get there, but really thinking, how are we baking that into the content. So we started experimenting more with, you know, getting quotes from influencers and from partners into our content, getting con, you know, creating content that we knew was going to be relevant to some of our partners and some of our both a formal product integration partners where they're actually, you know, a part of our product and are working very closely together. And then some of our partners that are more, you know, market partners and more like, you know, friendlies in the marketplace. So yeah, making content that was more oriented toward that and, you know, even producing a little bit less content and spending a little more time on the distribution angle of that content, including Mm -hmm. things like you know, social sharing initiatives for our team, making sure that our team had templates Mm -hmm. to be doing the sharing with, making sure that, you know, partners knew when we were launching our content, how they could share it. And as we kind of went further and further down this journey and started to see our content spikes become more significant, then we, you know, began to really work on this idea of a content launch. So we had a really significant framework that we were launching. The SEER framework is one that we had planned to release in January. And it was a framework for how product development teams could be using user insights across the mm-hmm. whole product lifecycle from concepting their products all the way to usability testing once they're released and you know every, every step in between. So when we were creating that content, we were really thinking, uh, one, can we have it close to another big company event? So we had a big product launch happening in mid-January, and we realized if we released the content the next week, we would sort of have all this buzz from the product launch already that would kind of be able to be driven toward the content. So that, that was one, one element of that strategy is just, you know, releasing it when people already care about us. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about everybody's companies out there, but if your market cares about you every single day and you're relevant every single day, that's, that's a very lucky place to be. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's, you know, it's important to make sure that uh, you're, you know, maybe already on your radar, your audience is already warmed up. 
so yeah, we thought about the timing. We were also thinking about that the audience for this content was, you know, our main audience is product managers, but the content is relevant to the whole product team. And that was important. You know, it talks about the role of user researchers, the role of designers, you know, the role of product leads, the role of engineering. And that is really important in terms of, you know, not just energizing one persona, but having things where multiple personas could find it relevant and could share. And for us, and I, I think for a lot of companies out there, there might be the persona who buys your product and who you always want paying attention. And then there might be the persona who is your champion, who, you know, interacts with you really frequently, who is super engaged in your content. And we, we made sure that both of those personas were really represented in this so that we kind of had more of a sharing and engaging persona and a persona that we knew that we had to reach with it. First, I want to go back to a few things that you mentioned and just to, to kind of clarify. So one thing you mentioned is that you created the content, at least some content that, content that you knew would be relevant to partners, right? Yes. So what does that mean? Like what kind of partners are we talking about and how did you make the content relevant to those partners? Yeah, great question. So we have a number of product integration partners. So partners where... A lot of our customers use, let's say, Mixpanel and Amplitude in terms of tracking data and attributes on their users, and they might want to get that information into our product, or they might want to see our product's data in their Mixpanel and Amplitude interfaces. So we have integrations with them. We have integrations with Segment, which is another product data provider, with user interviews, with Figma. So all these different parts of the product user research and design stacks integrate with us. And so we're, we're working with these partners, you know, on a pretty regular basis. And in terms of making content that's relevant to them, like sometimes it's really like really tactical and obviously relevant, you know, here's how to use Sprig and Figma mm-hmm. together. But sometimes it's more high level, like it might be about, you know, how to do prototype testing and why that's important for design. Mm -hmm. Now, that's really good partner content because Figma has an audience of designers that are interested in learning about this, but Figma's busy and they produce a lot of content already and they may not be able to produce that on their own. Mm -hmm. And Sprig is, you know, an an expert on user insights, product, product insights and prototype testing. So we're a really good place to produce that content but our audience isn't as big as Figma's. So if we know that we can create great content that's really relevant to Figma's audience, then it's a win-win for us and Figma in terms of, you know, our content's getting shared, their audience is getting served, and it's really strengthening the partnership as a whole. Okay. And before you create this content, are you talking with with Figma or other partners about the plan and sort of getting their buy-in up front? Or are you kind of hoping they'll do this? Oh, that's, you know, that's a good question. I think we started some of this, you know, early on, we weren't thinking about it in this detailed of a way. And then once we saw just how how powerful it could be when our partners shared our content, when they were really invested in it. And actually, we hosted a few webinars with our partners 
And when we looked at the rates of registration of registrant to attendee, the rate of engagement on those webinars, it was just such a no brainer that we had to more intentionally include our partners and in content initiatives. So mm, yes, at this okay. point, you know, we, we talk with a lot of our partners very frequently about marketing opportunities. Okay. That's interesting. It's sort of the concept of looking at you at partners as a kind of distribution channel. Yeah. Yeah. And partly as a distribution channel and partly like, you know, our partners know our audience too. So they, mm -hmm. they might have insights. They might be further along than we are with a certain, with a certain audience. So they might know like, oh, this is definitely going to be a hit. A great mm -hmm. example, one of our partners, again, Figma, their chief product officer, you know, is a really accomplished professional and he was able to speak at our customer summit and just provide great insights to that audience. And since we're already partners with them, it was much easier to coordinate that than if we didn't work with, with each other there, you know, it would have never been possible. Yeah. And in terms of sort of counting on a partner to help you distribute, distribute the content, what does that actually look like in practice? Are you mostly hoping that they'll engage with the content that you publish or are you also enabling them to like publish their own version of the content some, or something oh, like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And one, one thing I should add, we also try to have, you know, partner quotes, partner features, partner okay. examples in some of our content. So it's, you know, it's really organically like a shared piece. It's not yeah, just for saying, you know, could you share this afterwards? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's more of a, a hit that way. And also shout out to Sprig's great partnerships team. Definitely. It's, you know, it's, it's a process. So in terms of the question, yeah, I think it's, I'm trying to think of examples here and it's when we launch a partnership, you know, we have our owned blog and they have their owned blog and so on. You know, we have a partnerships page on our website and they have a partnerships page on their website. You know, we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't say, you know, you can't have your own partnerships page right. or, or vice versa. But in terms of the content, usually it's like, you know, let's say we create the content and maybe we post it on LinkedIn or our CEO post it. It's really great to get individuals posting. So, you know, yeah. individual post the content and then their CEO or their head of partnerships might reshare it with their own take on it. But yeah, I'm trying to think if we've had a case of them redoing the content on their side for any partner. And I, I don't think so. Like, you know, and we've done mm -hmm. things where we'll be a guest speaker at their event. And then actually, I think we did do sort of a slice and dice of that content later mm -hmm. and publish it from our side, you know, crediting them. Yeah, but usually it stays in its original form. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it sounds like you're kind of creating the content with them insofar as you might be interviewing some folks from their company and exactly, incorporating exactly. the quote. Yeah, so it's, it's already, their take is already, you know, represented. Yeah, it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to reproduce it with slight changes or something. Okay, so, so that makes a lot of sense and sounds just like a really good idea to think of your the people you work with in that way or partners in that way that they can help you both create content and help you get it out there and distribute it because it's in their benefit to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just such a natural good idea if it's, mm -hmm. you know, the same product manager out there working at whatever company is, 
using Sprig and using user interviews, like, you know, of course they want something that's coming from both of us, not two different viewpoints. Just makes the content stronger for sure. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, another question, you also mentioned that part of the strategy is tying the content launch to, let's say, a product launch. Yes. Right? How does that connection work exactly? Let's say you have the product launch, which is you know sort of a known entity, and you build up buzz around it and stuff. Now, there's already content, the content that you're building that's product-focused content, right, that I assume is part of that product launch. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you... How exactly then do you leverage that event to then do this content launch? Like I think before you mentioned that, you know, there's already some buzz and people are paying attention, but let's get more detailed about that. So once, once, once the, the buzz of the product launch is created, what do you do with that buzz and how do you read sort of redirect some of that attention toward this other content that you're launching? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. And some of some of it is also like you always have that piece where you're like, this is the really, really interesting thing to talk about, and it's so important that we're talking about it, and it's really timely. But like that is not always the most relevant thing to your product launch, and it might be distracting. You know, you you can't always say like our product launch blog is going to talk about collaboration frameworks, even if that's the thing we should really talk about, right? So so some of it, it just seems like such a natural thing to, you know, want to talk about the big topic in addition to the product launch that justifiably should be focused on the product and its use cases and so on. So in terms of actually engaging that traffic, I mean, some of it is straightforward, right? Like they join your email list, a big thing for us, a large percentage of our conversions are free product signups mm. and people who are getting into our product. So when it's, let's say, a week or two later at a content launch, those users are still new product users, still getting our onboarding emails, still getting you know outreach from our support and our sales teams. So they're they're very much an activated person at that time. And that's that's really the biggest thing. Like, yes, we run some retargeting ads, but again, we're very, very disciplined about our advertising spend. So that's that's not the biggest component. But it's really, you know, they might have like just started following us on LinkedIn. They might have just seen our product hunt launch. And the other thing is a lot of product launches kind of have a long tail around them, right? Mm. You launch on product hunt and then the next week you might make product of the week from the prior week, right? Mm. Or you have a launch and then you get some press and then that might come out a few days later. So it's kind of this natural long tail of the product mm. launch and of the related conversions. That's that's really what it's what's happening there. Okay. So it it seems kind of straightforward then that people yeah. who paid attention to the product launch and yes. signed up or, or whatever they did are naturally going to be probably more interested in more content from you guys Absolutely. than people who didn't engage with the content launch. Yes. So it's sort of, it's just a natural thing to, yeah. to send them more stuff. Yeah. It's really like, it's really not rocket science. It's really just thinking, how can we be really smart and efficient about, about what we're doing? Yeah. Okay. And so why is it useful to you guys to think about product in the context of a launch as opposed to 
just publishing it or something. I mean, I think you started to talk about this a little bit before, but I want to bring the discussion back around sort of what's yeah. the value to you guys to think in terms of just like we launch a product, we're going to launch some content. Like, Why is exactly. that a good thing to do? Exactly. Yeah. I think when, when we think about how we measure content at Sprig, like the, the long-term SEO value definitely matters. The brand value and its value to our users definitely matters. But the traffic conversions and pipeline are very relevant to us. And when we're thinking about how we're measuring those, it's, and like as a company, we're, you know, sharing our uh, traffic and conversions with our whole team every day and, you know, where we think they're coming from. And it is just so obvious, like we launched this thing and it just got a bunch of shares and we launched it really effectively. And suddenly there's a big traffic and conversion spike and we know that's about to lead to pipeline. And we're, we're just really you know, that is the result we want when we're launching our content. So I think thinking of it as a launch is less like, is this content valuable? And that is the only thing out there, right? We're not, we're not saying that is our only goal in releasing content, right? We're really saying, is this content valuable and is it going to get to the person who it's valuable to and will they believe it's likely enough to be valuable to them? Is it going to seem credible enough to them for them to end up reading it and getting that value? Right. It's, it's sort of like if, if, you know, if content is released in a forest and nobody hears it, you know, <laughs> is it that great of content? And for us, it, it really needs to be launched. So that's, I think our, like the fact that I say when we launch that content, not when we, I don't know, post it or create it or something, right. It's, it's yeah. really about making sure it gets to its audience. Right. Which I think the answer to the question, well, it's like the, if a tree falls in the forest right? yeah. and no one hears it, does it make a sound or however you say that? And same, like if no one sees your content, does it have any value? Probably not. I mean, the whole, you know, if, if you, how else do you measure value other than by how people engage with it and react to it or how many people it brings to your website? You know, if, if the, if it's zero, <laughs> or, or not many, then it has low value, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like hard to say that because you know we all spend so much time creating things that we really want to be great, but yeah, if they don't end up with someone reading them and thinking they're so great. Then that's it's hard for everybody. <laughs> Right. And I guess the way I said it makes it sound a little harsh. Like, of course, like a piece of content can still be really well done. But if you don't prioritize the distribution and, and you end up not getting in, in front of the right people, then it's kind of wasted value, maybe is the way to put it. Right. Like it's just yeah, sitting yeah, around yeah, on your content. website and, you know, your your audience is is not getting the great benefit of engaging with this content because you didn't get it to them. Yeah, yeah. I think the way it's like we want the content to live up to its potential. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Put it right. Yeah, it's and, very positive. You know, and you mentioned uh, uh, early on in our discussion, sort of putting distribution first. I think that's a really good way to put it. In fact, there's a guy I follow on LinkedIn. His name is Justin Simon. I don't know if that name is familiar to you. No, you should check him out. out. His whole thing is distribution first. In fact, I, he has his, his own podcast. I think that's the name of the podcast. But anyway, that's kind of his thing, and he talks about it all the time. So it's kind of been on my mind because I interviewed him on, on 
the sh- on this show as well. And I just think you're, you know, you're right. If you either distribution has to be first, or at least it has to be right up there with everything else you're doing, right? To have that in place so that you put all this time and effort into creating this great content and you need to put just as much time and effort pretty much into getting it distributed properly. And then it'll realize its value. Absolutely. Yeah. And just in case I haven't mentioned it yet, like definitely this is the philosophy of the whole Sprague marketing team. And like, Mm -hmm. I am so lucky to work with such a great team there. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing content marketing the right way and doing some really great work. So thanks for sharing all that. Thanks for educating us about the, the content launch. Of course. Thank you, Jeremy. This was a really, really great conversation. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.